right, great news. They did it. The economic crisis is averted. Biden McCarthy came up with a plan to raise the debt ceiling, which passed through Congress and Biden signed into law this weekend. But there's an issue. This whole thing is a temporary solution, and we're going to run into another debt ceiling crisis in January of 2025. Here's my essay from Monday about how we can stop these debt ceiling crises forever. In January 2025, we will potentially face another debt ceiling crisis with no guarantee we'll survive it. Here's something no one has told you about the debt ceiling debacle. The entire crisis is self-imposed. No, not in the sense that President Biden and Speaker McCarthy could have come up with the deal months ago rather than procrastinating the last day. This sounds like me in high school. The reality is that we don't need a debt ceiling at all. We're one of the only countries that even has one. Everything that you need to know. For those not familiar with the crisis, why it matters, and how it works, here's basically what you need to know. For everyone else, feel free to skip a bit ahead. When the U.S. wants to spend more money than it has, it has to borrow that money. This borrowed money is held primarily in treasury bonds. Treasury bonds are a loan of cash from an investor to the federal government. The federal government promises to pay back that loan with interest to that investor at a later date, and exchange gets cash they can spend right now. The interest that the federal government pays to the investor is like the cost of borrowed money, and those interest payments are paid every six months. Paying these interest payments, called servicing the debt, is one of the federal government's largest costs at around $400 billion this year. As Pew Research reports, that's more than $100 billion more than the government expects to spend on veterans' benefits and services, and more than it will spend on elementary and secondary education, disaster relief, agriculture, science and space programs, foreign aid, and natural resources and environmental protection combined. The Treasury bond is considered the safest investment in the world because it is backed by the U.S. government, which has never had a debt default. This means investors can trust that when they loan to the U.S. government, they'll always get their money back. So think about it like this. If you had a friend that you knew would always give you your money back when you loan it to them, you would feel pretty confident giving them money and pretty comfortable giving it to them whenever they say they need it. It is very easy for the U.S. government to get loans whenever it needs because treasury bonds are in extremely high demand. Foreign central banks need them in order to access the global reserve currency, the U.S. dollar, while investors globally buy them as an extremely safe way to store their money. However, the U.S. government is not allowed to raise an unlimited amount of debt. Raising debt is another term for getting loans. Congress caps the amount of money the U.S. is allowed to borrow. This is known as the debt ceiling. When the U.S. reaches the debt ceiling, meaning it has borrowed as much as it is allowed to, the debt ceiling must be raised. The U.S. cannot simply stop spending money because it constantly has to pay interest payments on all those treasury bonds. If it does not pay off those interest payments, that is considered a default. This will spook investors. <laughs> who will feel that the government is a less trustworthy entity to loan money to. If that happens, the investor will charge more money from the government when giving it a loan. This means that investors will ask for a higher interest payment. In February, the U.S. reached that debt ceiling, calling for Congress to raise the ceiling so the U.S. can meet its financial obligations. Political leaders had until June 5th to raise the debt ceiling, which is the time frame until the U.S. Treasury runs out of cash and needs to borrow more to stay afloat. However, Republicans in the House and Senate wanted to use this as an opportunity to pull back government spending, 
saying that President Biden must agree to significant budget cuts. The problem with the Republican strategy is that not raising the debt ceiling is too costly on the economy, giving them little room to get concessions. If the U.S. defaults on its debt, our cost of servicing the debt will skyrocket for years to come. But more importantly, would immediately instigate a global economic meltdown. U.S. Treasury bonds are deeply entrenched in every corner of the global economy. A default would cause an enormous loss of faith in the $24 trillion global treasury bond market, as investors would become hesitant to buy treasury bonds from the government or from other investors. This means that treasuries would become illiquid. Liquidity is the measure of how easy it is to turn an investment into cash, and treasuries are fairly liquid because of the very high demand. However, if they become more illiquid, entities that hold them in order to turn them into cash to run their operations would freeze. This includes foreign central bank reserves, manufacturing hubs across Asia, and every financial and banking sector in the world. Therefore, experts have estimated that if the debt ceiling were not raised for just a week after the U.S. ran out of money that June 5th date, the U.S. economy would crash so quickly that it would wipe out 1.5 million jobs. However, Biden and McCarthy did strike a deal called the Fiscal Responsibility Act because nothing says responsibility like waiting until the last minute to avoid exploding the economy. <laughs> this deal swiftly passed through both chambers of Congress and was signed into law by Biden this past weekend. This bill has some spending reductions and suspends the debt ceiling for two years, meaning the government can spend as much as it wants until January 2025. Polarization uniquely threatens our economy. When other countries default on their debt, such as Argentina, Spain, or Venezuela, it is because of weak economic conditions and extremely poor governance, such as chronic stagnation with enormous spending, that makes its government unable to fulfill its debt obligations. Not all governments enjoy the benefit of having hordes of investors ready to buy up their sovereign debt, another country's equivalent of the treasury bonds, as the U.S. does. This means that they cannot simply issue more debt to pay off existing debt and are far more susceptible to running out of cash and defaulting. However, if the U.S. were to default on its debt this week, rather, it would be primarily attributed to the distinctive structure of our debt-stealing policy, which exposes our economy to significant risks arising from political polarization. A default would have happened only because of Biden McCarthy's inability to strike a deal, despite a growing economy to tax from and an extremely strong global treasury bond market to borrow more money from, something that other defaulting countries never have. Now, no one thought America would actually default on its debt. It has faced a debt ceiling issue 78 times since 1960 and resolved it every single time. Had global institutions and investors felt the U.S. could actually default, we would have been seeing a giant sell-off of treasury bonds, which didn't happen. Everyone knows that the U.S. knows that the stakes are too high to not raise the debt ceiling, for now. But does this mean the U.S. will resolve this issue every time it comes up? We are potentially due for another debt ceiling crisis in January 2025, when the two-year suspension from the Fiscal Responsibility Act expires, which will come right on the heels of a national presidential election that would drench our country in political anger and policy misinformation. That depressing environment is what the next debt ceiling crisis may need to be resolved in. 
The world has watched as the U.S. has sacrificed one institution after another to polarization. Trust in the Supreme Court, the police, television news and newspapers, and public schools, think Republicans' concerns of critical race theory, have reached all-time lows. In my view, the worst sacrifice the U.S. made was in its democratic system. Around a third to 40% of the country believes the 2020 election was stolen, and it has become a fundamental belief of one of the two major political parties. Consequently, the U.S. elected nearly 180 election deniers to Congress, including to state-level Secretary of State positions responsible for overseeing the legitimacy of state-run elections. The consequences of this irreversible decision is yet to be felt and will not come into full realization until the 2024 election. We have not always survived a debt ceiling crisis scot-free. Polarization has threatened the U.S. economy via the debt ceiling crisis before. In 2011, during the Obama presidency, disagreements between Congress and the White House on raising the ceiling caused Standard & Poor to give its first ever downgrade to U.S. Treasuries, dropping it from the gold standard AAA it had enjoyed for 70 years. Luckily, there is a solution. We can just get rid of the debt ceiling. America is the only country that periodically faces a debt ceiling crisis. No other country has a fixed debt ceiling as we do, except Denmark. And Denmark has made their so high that it can never be used as a political bargaining chip. The debt ceiling is a unique feature of American politics, an instrument to help Congress manage and control overspending based on our founding principle of small government. But it is not a useful instrument. The U.S. still has a higher debt-to-GDP ratio than every country that doesn't have a debt ceiling, including nearly every European country except for Greece and Italy, and maintains the fourth highest debt-to-GDP ratio in the world. Getting rid of the debt ceiling would not immediately mean the government can spend unlimited amounts. Spending bills still need to be passed separately by the U.S. Congress, and it is during those negotiations that the Democrats and Republicans can fight out their budget disagreements without jeopardizing the economy. This is not to say that skyrocketing national debt is not an important issue. National debt has increased by 400% in the last 20 years. However, the debt ceiling serves no purpose other than acting as a conduit for political polarization to seep into and threaten the financial system. Fairy tales tell stories of sailors fearing a sea monster that would rear its ugly head above water and eat up a boat at random. Okay, maybe those are just the stories my parents read to me as a kid, but the point is this. We have our own sea monster in America, the polarization monster, and it keeps eating up American institutions. What's to say we can truly protect it from consuming faith in the U.S. economy as well? Our politicians don't have a track record that proves they deserve our absolute faith to subvert the next debt ceiling crisis. We should ask them to get rid of it for our own sake. Food for thought.